registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. Jeff, it's so great to have you on the episode today. It's um, a pleasure meeting someone who has an expertise in a very popular topic recently of uh, mushrooms. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the, this, this expertise. Well, you know, I, I was raised in the Pacific Northwest, and, and that's a very rainy, uh, wet climate perfect for mushrooms to grow. So when I was growing up, mushrooms were all around me. I was fortunate enough to get out and do some mushroom hunting with uh, parents of friends and things like that. And then when I went to university, I uh, studied anthropology, cultural anthropology. I was really interested in how other cultures operate and how they organize and things like that. But they also had a very good mycology department at the University of Washington. So I took mycology courses as well. I put the two together and kind of my own coursework, so to speak, became the use of mushrooms worldwide for food, for medicine, and in shamanic rites. And, and you know, I, I loved it. I mean, it's just a deep dive into that, how these mushrooms are being used uh, as foods. And again, in traditional Chinese medicine in China, they've been using mushrooms for thousands of years in their traditional Chinese medicine. So, so that was another area that I explored pretty deeply. But uh, of course, you know, you get out of university and you've got a degree in anthropology and you're going, oh, where are all the great jobs in anthropology? Not so many. We had a mushroom farm, the only one in Washington state, 60 miles down the road, Olympia, Washington, my mycology professor said, well, why don't you go down there and talk to uh, the owner? Because I, I talked to my mycology prof, prof and I said, gee, I'd really like to learn how to grow mushrooms. I went down there. I got a job. I was there at this mushroom farm, and it's a very big farm, for the next 10 years. Awesome. So I was essentially living with mushrooms, <laughs> literally, for the next 10 years, uh, I mean, a very big farm. And, and look, I, I enjoyed it. I truly enjoyed it. And I continued my studies while I was there and I read everything I could about mushroom growing. I uh, got into medicinal mushrooms a little deeper. So that was really the start of my career, so to speak. It was simply me and all of my fungal friends. <laughs> I love that. The, the puns. Uh, my boyfriend, actually, he does the, the fun guy one a lot. He's like, I'm a kind of a fun guy, you know, whatever fun we do. <laughs> I know, I know. And I've never heard that one before. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so a lot of people have heard of, right, we know culinary mushrooms. We know of, you know, things like portobello and shiitake and 
please correct me if I'm speaking these words incorrectly because I could, this is not my expert. Perfect. No, you got shiitake correct. Okay. Um, so we know a lot of these on the shelves, right? At the supermarket, you throw them in a stir fry. You could, you know, put them in some meatballs, kind of add a nice umami fl- flavor to them. And I just remember back in the day when I was in school to become a dietitian, someone said, Oh, mushrooms are like the most pointless vegetable ever. I don't know why you would ever add them in. And I thought to myself, like, that can't be true. Like everything that comes from the ground must have some medicinal benefit, some nutritional benefit to it. And I myself, you know, went online and found out, you know, the benefits of, of, uh, mushrooms in terms of their fiber content, right? So the prebiotics and, um, some B vitamins, and then there are certain mushrooms that have vitamin D in them, right. Which is quite unique considering vitamin D rich foods are not many in the diet. So we've got those, right. The, the more common ones, can you speak to the ones that are being used more medicinally, uh, ones that, you know, we hear about like reishi and chaga and all these fancy mushroom powders and stuff that have come out? Well, 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 yeah, absolutely. I can. But but before I do, let me just kind of follow up on what you said about the nutritional benefits, because what you what you said and about the person who was talking about, oh, no food value there. That's so interesting, isn't it? And when I started in at the mushroom farm back in 1973, um, basically classical nutritionists, that's principally what they thought. And the real reason for that thinking was that mushrooms are low in calories, Mm. low cal. And that's something today that is a positive thing. But back in the 70s, it was like, if you don't have calories, well, there's no energy there. It's kind of a non-food. And so that's how they looked at mushrooms. But the interesting fact is, is that mushrooms have between 20 and 40% protein. And it's a, it's a high quality protein for, let's just call it a vegetable. It's not truly a vegetable, but for a vegetable. And and when I'm giving you these ranges here, um, what you need to remember is that every single mushroom species will have a different nutritional profile. So you can't just have one profile for every mushroom. That's not how it works. So 20 to 40% of um, a protein, very low in fat, um, mostly carbohydrate, but the carbohydrate is a high quality carbohydrate. Are you familiar at all with mannitol? I am. Yes. And people who are listening on the, we've talked about low FODMAP. So if you're following a low FODMAP, some people are, don't digest this type of carbohydrate very well, but very healthy for some people. Well, well, it is. See, mannitol is a very slow-acting carbohydrate. Most carbohydrates we think of are starches. Mushrooms do not contain starch. What they do have as a storage carbohydrate is actually glycogen, like what we have, but only small amounts. So their carbohydrates are trehalose, uh, mannitol, slow-acting, and that as part and parcel of what you were saying as well, which is fiber content. Mm. Mushrooms are very high in fiber. So a lot of that carbohydrate is locked up in the fiber. And another carbohydrate, the, uh, actually a polysaccharide in mushrooms, are what are called beta-glucans. Mm. And beta-glucans 
uh, we think of, okay, beta-glucans, we might think of oats or something like that. Uh, and beta-glucans are part of the fiber, but the mushroom beta-glucan is very different. It has a different architecture in it than, let's say, an oat beta-glucan. Mushroom beta-glucan is a beta-1316. And scientists have demonstrated that this beta-glucan is highly active with our immune system. Mm. So this is the primary benefit that we get from a medicinal mushroom is it potentiates our immunity. Mm. Now, in today's world, especially, people are much more interested in something that can help them immunologically. But but getting back to, to the... the um, uh, nutritional benefits high in, in vitamin B1, 2, and 3, like um, up to 25% of those B vitamins. Uh, you talked about vitamin D, and vitamin D is really interesting in mushrooms because, first of all, mushrooms are very low in vitamin D, but they have a compound in them called ergosterol. And ergosterol is uh, a, a much like our cholesterol. And cholesterol and ergosterol are precursors to vitamin D. So when the mushroom gets exposed to UV light, that ergosterol turns into vitamin D2. With us, when we're exposed to UV light, cholesterol turns into vitamin D. So that's where we get our vitamin D from. We get it from the sun, and it's part and parcel of changing that cholesterol. With a mushroom, it is this ergosterol in there. So we actually have a mushroom where we have exposed it to uh, UV light, and now we can get up to 2,000 IUs of vitamin D per gram of dried mushroom powder. Wow, that's incredible. And, and, and you know, well, well it is. And, and what's really interesting about it, if you were to look at the way that vitamin D3 is produced, it is a not a, a process that you would necessarily think is positive because there's a lot of chemicals used in the process to refine it because it, it starts out coming from sheep's wool and the lanolin in that sheep's wool. That's where the majority of vitamin D3 comes from. Whereas with vitamin D2, like from the mushroom, it's just mushroom powder where that vitamin D2 uh, comes from or, or could be uh, purified if one wanted to. But I, I love the idea that we could eat or consume nothing more than one dried gram of mushroom powder that's been exposed to sunlight and get 2,000 IUs of vitamin D. For me, I'm just like, I love that idea. From our lowly mushroom, we can actually get vitamin D. So, so I like to think of mushrooms as the forgotten food. And I also call them the missing dietary link. And that's why I'm always telling people, put mushrooms into your diet. One of the reasons people don't like mushrooms is they don't cook them properly. Mm. If you cook a mushroom 
on low heat, what happens is all the water comes right out of it. And now you've got these mushrooms sitting in a pool of water in a fry pan. Mm. And, and, and you wonder why every child you've ever talked to said, oh, I hate those mushrooms. They're so slimy. <laughs> well, so, so I cook mushrooms in a hot pan, your choice of oils, hot pan. I like to brown them on either side. That keeps the moisture in. They will shrink. So uh, one of the things for me is cut them maybe a quarter of an inch thick, not too thin. Um, put them in the hot pan. I like to cook them reasonably well so both sides of the mushroom get, get uh, browned a little bit. And then a little salt, a little pepper in terms of if you just want to eat them as is, is all you need. But otherwise, they go with everything. You can put mushrooms into eggs, omelets. You can put them into stir fries. You can eat them with your steak or you can chop them up like I do, chop them up and put them into my a ground round to make a hamburger. So all onions, mushrooms, I'll mix it all together. There it is. That's my my uh, hamburger. So they're very versatile. They're just a great food. And, and today, for the first time, we have the options of about six or eight different species in the supermarket. Uh, I mean, back in the 1970s, we had the agaricus, and that's what we were growing on the farm I was working for. But we also had a Japanese scientist who was growing shiitake, mm. um, Inoki talkie and oyster mushroom. So while I was there, I also got to be a part of growing these new mushrooms for at the time that was really nobody was growing these mushrooms in the United States. So it was it was really wonderful for me and my career in terms of learning how to grow other mushrooms. But at the same time, it opened up, you know, other doors of wow, you can grow these mushrooms. They really taste well, taste very good. And, and so, again, there's a lot of choices now in the supermarket. And some of those mushrooms, like shiitake, like maitake, are medicinal as well. So they also have very active beta-glucan. So I don't know if you're familiar with the whole concept of food as medicine. But to me, that's where we want to be, right, Aaron? I mean, we want to be like everything that we bring into our body that we're consuming, not just all those wonderful nutrients, which are so important, but also if it has these other phytochemicals in it that give us these other uh, benefits. Yeah. I think we're, a lot of us are moving towards that movement. Um, I mean, as a practitioner, when I work with clients one-on-one -on -one or in my group program, you see this drive to like have less of a reliance on supplementation and more of a reliance on food, because I think there's so much education out there now, even just what we're talking about today of how you can get vitamin D2 from mushrooms and the prebiotics that they can do to feed those healthy gut bacteria and modulate your immune system. And, um, yes. yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, it's really important. Well, well, and see, and that's the, one of the things, I mean, you just mentioned it again, and that is this fiber, and again, mushrooms, they don't digest well. And that's because of the fiber content. But today it's like we know how important fiber is. And especially now that they've they recognize the microbiome mm -hmm. and the fact that we're feeding all this fiber 
to the microbiome, which in fact, in, in many cases, is actually consuming and bringing out some of those vitamins and other benefits from that we might not otherwise be getting or certainly not think we do because sometimes it's like oh yeah a high fiber food yeah we get that but not many other things right but now we know that that fiber is even more important than we thought it was Yes, absolutely. So I'd love to dive into a little bit of the research because I've found, I actually had a reporter reach out to me a few weeks ago and she was referencing this article that talked about, um, you know, reduced mortality risk with consumption of mushrooms. And as a dietitian, you know, we're trained to look at these research studies. And so I had some questions, of course, of okay, well, it's an observational study and we know that those aren't necessarily the most reliable, especially with, you know, food recalls, people having to remember what they ate. But as I did a little bit more digging and I I looked into the research, I found, you know, turkey tail being great for lung health and being a potential, you know, not treatment, but being potential, um, you know, help for people with sort of respiratory infection, such as COVID. And then- more information yeah. on the benefits of mushrooms on the gut microbiome. And so I've seen a lot of this and I'd love to maybe in a more succinct way, um, just tell the listeners some of the main things we've seen in research that mushrooms can be beneficial. And then we can walk into like, which are the best in the grocery store and which are the best medicinally to kind of get your biggest bang for your buck. Because as we all know, in the society we live in, we want you know, some practical steps on how we can implement some of this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Well, well, you know, um, first of all, let me say, uh, I totally agree with you about when you're looking at research and how should we take it? Because you, you know what it's like, a, a journalist will look at some paper that has some title that says, okay, mushrooms are, are great for this or that particular illness. And they'll make a huge headline, mushrooms have cured something, right? Yeah. And when in fact, like you say, it might be an observational study, it might even be nothing more than uh, an in vitro study. And so anytime I'm looking at the research, I I look at it very closely. Uh, Exactly what did they use? Uh, Is it in vitro, in vivo? Is it a clinical trial? These are things that are that are so important. And, and, you know, if you go out on the internet, you'll find sites that, that make claims that mushrooms will uh, uh, improve hundreds of different diseases or cure some. And, and it's just like, I mean, I see that and my head kind of explodes. I just think, oh man, please don't do that. No, no. I mean, these exaggerated and wild claims primarily just to sell products Mm. and i'm just like you know like right now chaga if you if you look out there about on the internet for chaga it's like the king of mushrooms and there's nothing it doesn't do and you know how some things they sell as panaceas Mm. and i'm like no this is not a panacea um so so you know again we have to be very careful and that's where especially when we're talking to journalists because you know they they're just looking like like anybody else there who's on the internet for example and is looking for clicks mm-hmm. uh, a journalist is no different they they want to sell papers they want something that people look up and they see the headline and they go oh what's that all about 
Yeah. So I, I'm very, when it comes to all of that, I, I, a, I'll never make any claims. I'll talk about benefits. Um, but I'm very careful about that. I, I'm not out here talking to people because I want to sell products. I want to educate people. I want people to know more about mushrooms. I want people to be able to make educated choices, whether it be eating mushrooms or supplementing with mushrooms. That's what I feel is so very important. I just don't want to come out here and make millions of claims and things like that. So, so where, where should we start on this now? Because we can talk, uh, for example, about um, more general benefits, or we can talk about like, for example, um, just to, to start, let me just say this about the beta glucans that I talked about earlier. Uh, again, they are in all mushrooms, but the specific architecture of the beta glucan will make the difference between one mushroom being highly medicinal mm -hmm. and another mushroom being, okay, those beta glucans are great for, um, they still give us some benefits, but not in the same way of some of these, what I would call very special mushrooms that have this architecture that makes them more active. So the beta glucan, what happens is we actually have a, a receptor site specific to beta glucans. And when those beta glucans hit that receptor site, it will then potentiate the um, manufacture of immune cells, macrophages, T cells. Uh, so they will be producing cytokines. And, and the way I look at it too is, is you eat mushrooms or you supplement with mushrooms, they will be there if you don't need those immune cells at that particular time, nothing's really going to happen because they're there to meet a challenge. So if there's a challenge they will start to, to produce. And that's where I look at them as being part of a um, prevention program. And, and that's, that's what I feel is so important about uh, herbal medicine or supplementation. I look at it, uh, or, or even diet. To me, it's all about uh, uh, prevention, uh, keeping us healthy so that we don't need interventions, medical interventions. We don't get sick as much. We are healthy. Um, you know, I, I look at the diet as this is the foundation of our health. Mm -hmm. If your diet is not good, there's not a lot of other things you can add to that to make your health better. It's just like telling somebody, oh yeah, don't worry about exercising. Um, you know, don't worry about um, your lifestyle. It's all good as long as you take this supplement or something like that. No, no, it's like you, you really have to look at all of those different aspects to work what I would call a prevention type of diet or a prevention type of lifestyle. And that's where I see the mushrooms. It's just like, like, look, if you're not certain you're getting enough vitamin D and a lot of people aren't supplement with it. Um, if you're, if you're having issues with regular colds, um, flus, you're just not feeling like you have enough energy or anything. Well, try putting mushrooms into your diet, maybe supplement with them. But again, they're there to, keep you healthier uh, rather than uh, there's something like, oh, gee, I feel like I'm getting a cold. I think I'll just take some of these mushroom supplements. Mm. That's not how they work. 
That's just not how they work. It's not like taking an aspirin for a headache and it's gone in a couple of hours. So that's something that people really need to understand. They're not going to. And, and, and I say this, too, because I read um, when people will put in uh, like the byproduct and then you see all the reviews. Oh, my God, I just bought this. And today I was feeling so bad. And uh, or yesterday I was feeling so bad. Today I feel great. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, I don't know about you. But that's not really how this works. So that's something to always keep in mind with mushrooms. And if you like, we could we could start, for example, with a reishi mushroom. Are you, are you familiar at all with reishi mushroom? Yes, I am. And and I um I, I think a point that you made that I do want to make sure I, I speak to is um you know the the cholesterol part of it. So in the research, I've seen that mushrooms can offer you know, cholesterol lowering properties. I think when people hear that the word cholesterol nowadays, we freak out and we think, oh, I don't want high cholesterol. Cholesterol is bad. Um, but as you just mentioned, like we actually need cholesterol to absorb these fat soluble nutrients like vitamin D, which therefore improves our immune system. So you mentioned beta glucan, you mentioned there's cholesterol lowering benefits, um, in support for the immune system. I've you know, seen research on helping to protect the liver and then antiviral and antimicrobial properties and also the prebiotics of the gut health. So I just want to kind of keep that out there as like a good umbrella for some of the things that these mushrooms are great for. And I like how you said it's not a, you take an aspirin and you feel better because I often see this, people will say, oh yeah, I took turmeric for a few weeks, didn't feel like it did anything or took a probiotic for a week, didn't really feel better. How soon are we expecting to feel better? And this is really the fault, unfortunately, good intention, but the fault of the healthcare, which I would call the sick care system is you're sick, here's a pill, you instantly feel better. But healthcare, like true healthcare, which we would technically really term preventative care, doesn't work as a, you know, day-to-day, here we go, here's a supplement, you instantly feel better. Love that you brought that yeah. up. So, yes, well, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, you and I are, are really um, uh, totally on the same page when it comes to this whole idea because I, we do have a sick care system. Wait till you get sick, go see the doctor. He gives you a prescription he, he kind of calms you down a little bit, says, okay, everything's going to be fine. Go home, get your prescription, take these pills. You'll be fine. All of this. And, and, you know, I, I think there are some medical traditions, like I think in traditional Chinese medicine too, their whole precept is to keep you healthy so that you don't have to come and see them. So, and that's, I think what's going on now in the United States, we're seeing a lot more holistic or what are called integrative uh, health practitioners. And, you know, it, it's like, it's like going to a, a, a standard physician MD in the United States. Do you think any of them would ever question what, what is your diet? Like, what are you eating? What, how, how is your diet? Do you think they would ever bring that up? I've never had a, a physician say that to me. Oh, tell me about your diet. Never. No. Instead, it's like, okay, we've got 15 minutes. Tell me what's wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you what I can do about it. See you later. Next. So, so really with these mushrooms, uh, again, it's prevention. Now, reishi mushroom, uh, 
is something that is very what I would call that the kind of the if you were to take one mushroom, mm-hmm. reishi mushroom, you're not going to be able to eat it. Have you ever had one in your hand? Never. <laughs> a reishi mushroom. It is well for one, it's beautiful. Mm. It's got this ram's horn shape for the cap. It's red, but it's like a piece of wood when you dry it out. Mm. It's not an edible mushroom. You have to chop it up and you have to make a tea with it if you're using the actual dried mushroom. Mm. Now, now we will we will take that and we'll produce a extract powder from that mushroom. But basically, it's a piece of wood. It it has we we measure beta glucans and we've had a testing of all our mushrooms and and at least 15 different mushroom species for about five years. So we know the level of beta glucans. We know the level of ergosterol. We know all of, we have, we have charts with a lot of that data. Reishi and turkey tail have the highest contents of beta glucan of Mm. all the mushrooms we've tested. So, so reishi is high in beta glucan, but what, what differentiates it from the others, it has these, bitter compounds in it called triterpenoids Mm -hmm. and these triterpenoids are what you know you talked a little bit you mentioned liver function the triterpenoids are very very good for liver function or dysfunction so that's something where they can help the liver um, they can help to just kind of purify the blood that's what they uh, say as well but that's what makes reishi mushroom very different from all the others because it shares beta glucans with all these others, but it has these triterpenoids. And the triterpenoids, just so people, if they ever go out and buy a reishi mushroom, an actual mushroom, or even if they have a reishi mushroom product, dump it out and taste it. It should be bitter. It's mm. a very bitter herb in that sense. It's so so reishi is... I mean, well, well, absolutely. Yeah, any sort of bitter. Absolutely piece. right. And, and isn't that interesting? Because we have been bred not to like bitters. Mm. You know, it's like something's bitter. No, no, we've been bred to like sweet. <laughs> so, so if something's sweet, you know, people eat too much of it. If something bitter, they stay away from it. They're not interested. Um, so reishi, to me, in that sense is in a category all its own so very good for the immune system good for liver function um again it has all these other properties of being antibacterial antiviral um another mushroom that's interesting especially for um gut health and that would be chaga Mm. and and chaga is not even a mushroom have you ever seen a picture of a chaga kind of like this black irregular growth off the side of a tree and, and it's just like what is that <laughs> it's just, it's looks so almost like unusual. you would be poisoned after eating it <laughs> well well yeah yeah and, and you know the interesting thing about it is it's not truly a mushroom but what it is it's a manifestation of a, a fungus that has attacked a tree and now the tree is reacting to the fungal invasion uh, and producing this form that we call chaga, 
And a forester would say that's what's called a canker disease. So that's what the chaga is. It's not, it's not mushroom. It's got very little fungal tissue, actually. But what it does have in it are, are triterpenoid compounds. And it has been used extensively for uh, stomach, uh, intestinal issues. A very common uh, use of this in traditional medicines, traditional herbal medicines in um, Eastern Europe, in Russia, um, China a little bit. So that's a mushroom. I always say to people, look, if you want to try one of our mushrooms for for maybe irritable bowel syndrome or Crohn's disease, try chaga. Just give it a, a chance. Maybe maybe it will help you. Uh, so that that's kind of um, two mushrooms that are not edible mushrooms. Uh, whereas we do have edible mushrooms that are are like a shiitake or a maitake that have tremendous amount of a scientific evidence that demonstrates their immunological properties. That's where if you go to the supermarket or the Whole Foods or wherever and you want to uh, pick out a mushroom to eat, man, uh, those are the two that you should buy. And I think they also have lion's mane in some markets as well. Do you know lion's mane? Do you have, do you have lion's mane in, in your local market? In Whole Foods, they do have lion's mane. And also, too, if you if somebody listening has a, a farmer's market, I've noticed they've started popping up um, in, in farmer's markets as well. But It's mushroom season in the United States, so just kind of the end of that. So this was kind of interesting. You know the button mushroom? Yeah. That is, that is agaricus. Okay. But agaricus also has uh, different strains that come in different colors. Mm. So the cremini is the agaricus, but it's a brown topped mushroom, correct? Mm-hmm. So it's the same species. And then the portobello is allowed to mature to become this very, very big mushroom cap. Mm. But what we call a button mushroom, we call it a button because it's immature. So it hasn't, the cap hasn't opened. We don't really see the gills under it unless it's been sitting on the shelf too long. So those three mushrooms are actually the same species of mushroom. Interesting. Okay. So they've just, they just given it different names. Okay. Chaga and reishi. I'm seeing chaga being one of the best ones for digestive health. Um, reishi and chaga together, both really great for immune function. What about the ones that you see on the shelves. So like the portobello shiitake, like what benefits do we get from those? Are they similar in terms of beta glucan? Well, well, shiitake, definitely shiitake and maitake, uh, the beta glucans and the immunological activity is very important for those. And I always tell people too, if there is one edible mushroom, you should be eating. It is shiitake mushroom. Do you eat shiitake mushroom at all? I do oh. not like portobello as much as I like shiitake and I get so much hate for it. And I tell people it's the texture for me. I love the taste and the flavor of the shiitake, like put it in some olive oil and some salt and garlic. And I am in heaven. Oh, Aaron, <laughs> absolutely. Shiitake is my favorite mushroom too. I, I just think the shiitake, I mean, it's got not only a great flavor, the texture is good. It's got a wonderful aftertaste. 
And, and it's got an aroma that is just out of this world. In fact, in China, they call it Shanggu, which means fragrant mushroom. No, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful, and that's why I always tell people, eat shiitake. If there's one mushroom to eat, eat shiitake. You will be getting not just the uh, culinary nutritional benefits, you'll also be getting good medicinal benefits. So, so let's switch gears a, a second here, and we'll talk about lion's mane. Mm. Lion's mane is so popular these days. It has gone from... Five years ago, we sold hardly any lion's mane. Today, we sell tons. I mean, literally tons. It's our top-selling mushroom. And the reason is that it's categorized as a nootropic. Are you familiar with that term? So that's for, for brain health, right? Yeah, brain health and, and just kind of anything that can enhance our performance is kind of considered a nootropic. And lion's mane has got some very good studies, including clinical trials, that demonstrate it does actually help with memory. Um, it does help a bit with mental acuity. And, and you know, everybody, um, young and old, especially old, when it comes to memory, they're like, oh, man, where did my memory go? Why can't I? What, what's that word again? What is it? Or, or I, I had that on the tip of my tongue. What was that I was just thinking about? Man, if, if there was a memory pill out there, let me tell you, everybody would want it, right? Well, lion's mane has these compounds called nerve growth factor, which actually stimulates the production and organization of neurons. So um, due to that, um, and you know, as we get older too, we don't produce as much of this nerve growth factor. So we're not getting the benefits of that so much. So lion's mane has these compounds that will help to produce uh, and will stimulate the production of this nerve growth factor. So, so that's a mushroom that people use as an atropic, as something that hopefully will help memory. Um, I, I'm not going to tell you your memory is going to be, you know, 100% tomorrow or in 15 days or 30 days. Try it and see. Uh, but that's where it's used. And there does seem to be some relatively good science behind it. And these would be actual clinical trials where they have control groups and they give one group, uh, the lion's mane, the other uh, placebo. They do a battery of tests. After 120 days, they do the tests again, and the one with the lion's mane scores higher than they originally did. And, and then the interesting part about that is then they stopped taking lion's mane. 30 days later, they both groups took the test. They were both down a baseline again. So I thought, well, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting. But look, that, that's just one clinical trial. And with herbs, it's rare when you can get a clinical trial because they're very, very expensive and no one wants to spend the money on them. And so, so you get the odd ones here and there, but a lot of, a lot of what, for example, what we will do in the business is, is we will look at um, how mushrooms are used by traditional Chinese medicine uh, or other, other uh, groups of people worldwide. What is the traditional use? Is this still being used? And then we'll also look at the scientific literature. And is there a body of scientific data that will support 
the use of this mushroom uh, as a supplement, as something that does have medicinal benefits. We put the two together and we say, okay, yeah, it appears that, yes, there are these benefits, functional benefits for people. So that's kind of where we uh, come together. So, so now we've, we've covered a number of different mushrooms. That some of the ones that we haven't covered are, are you familiar with cordyceps? Yep. Have you ever seen an actual cordyceps? No, I'm going to look it up. I'm looking at the lion's mane one even, and it it looks literally like a lion's mane. I've never actually looked it up before, but the cordyceps, it looks like um, almost just like, I hate to say it, but like little worms. Well, well, yeah, cordyceps actually is called winter worm, summer grass. And and in, in the wild, it grows off of a caterpillar. Wow. That's... That's the traditional cordyceps. Now, that's not what we sell or or people. It, it, it in China right now that cordyceps uh, caterpillar fungus is worth fifteen thousand dollars a dried kilogram. Wow! Nobody can afford that except the very wealthy. We cultivate a cordyceps, a different species, but it has been used interchangeably. So, so we can cultivate that. It's much cheaper. It's affordable. And what cordyceps has been used for is weakness, fatigue, lack of energy. So, so where primarily you might see cordyceps in terms of the supplement world, uh, a lot of times it will be targeted for either athletes or um, if you lack energy and you need kind of an energy boost, um, now I get my energy boost just from drinking some coffee in the morning and that works really well for me, but <laughs> for others, you know, as that's how they traditionally use cordyceps. So, so that's, um, uh, and again, we grow ours, no insects involved. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I tried to introduce cordyceps into the supplement market in 1991. I had a bag of these caterpillar fungi and I was showing them to companies and they looked at me and they said, my customers do not want to eat a caterpillar. <laughs> and also said, and besides, they are vegetarian. Mm. I thought, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so anyway, this cordyceps that we grow is called cordyceps militaris. It's a beautiful cordyceps. It also now, now that they've learned how to cultivate it, it's in the food markets in China now, and it is delicious. And again, it's a very small, very slender little thing that does not look like a mushroom, uh, kind of like you said, kind of almost like worm-like, but it's just small and slender, but very tasty as well. And that's what I love about this whole, you know, our, our business in terms of, I mean, we primarily are in it as supplements, but we also sell into the food industry our, our mushroom extracts, but the fact that it's a food as well as utilized as a medicine or a tonic or however it's being used. I, I just love that. I just think it's so, so interesting that it can be a food as well as a functional medicine. You know, that's just kind of very special to me. That's beautiful. I love marrying those two concepts and it's very evident that you're very passionate about it. Now, like I said, there's so much out there, right? There's like, I'm taking a protein powder right now that a company sent me that 
has you know all the ones you mentioned has chaga and lion's mane and turkey tail and um, you know, what is the issues with quality that people should be looking for? Because I know with certain protein powders, I always tell people you have to be careful with heavy metals and, you know, the quality of where they're sourcing it from. So as a consumer, you know, obviously you have a company and you have high standards for your products, but let's say someone's at Whole Foods or, you know, online and they're, they're maybe wanting to purchase one of these things or these coffee you know, alternatives, what, what are some things to look for and what are the issues with quality control? Well, this is so important because when you go into these stores and you see 50 different brands and products and, and, and here's what's happening and what is that mushrooms are expensive to grow. Um, did you know, did you know that uh, every single mushroom you've ever eaten has been picked by hand? No. It's been picked by hand. And if you go into a mushroom house and you look at these mushrooms growing, there are hundreds of thousands of these mushrooms on the beds there. And there are a dozen people in there pulling them out by hand and cutting off the bottom and putting them into a basket. It is insane. Um, so you can grow mushrooms in the United States you can put them into the food market. You can make a profit. It's a, a good business. But in the supplement world, we deal with dried powders. A mushroom, like most vegetables, is 90% water. When you take that fresh mushroom, which you're getting $5 a pound for, you dry it out. Now you have to get $50 for that same pound of mushrooms. The economics don't work. So what happens is companies in the United States will grow out a different plant part. And to, to just to clarify here, mushrooms don't have seeds. Uh, they have spores. Those spores uh, in nature will germinate into a very fine filament and when these filaments come together and form a network, that is called mycelium. That mycelium is what we call the vegetative body of this organism. When, and, and, and mycelium is out there, uh, um, and, and it's kind of buried in the ground or buried in a piece of wood. We normally don't see the mycelium. What we see is the mushroom. So when conditions are right, that mycelium, which is underground or hidden from view, all of a sudden up comes a mushroom. That is what we call the fruiting body. So we have three stages or plant parts of this organism. We have spore, we have mycelium, and we have mushroom. Traditionally, the mushroom is what has always been used in traditional Chinese medicine and as a supplement. The mycelium, obviously, you can't dig it up and then somehow sort it out and use it for those types of purposes. But what people, uh, companies in the United States do is they will take that mycelium stage, they will grow it out on sterilized grain. It could be rice. It could be oats. It's all done in a laboratory. Mm. Um, after about 30 to 45 days, they will then empty that jar of grain out, and the grains are now covered with the mycelium. They'll empty it out, 
uh, onto drying racks. They'll dry it. They'll grind it to a powder, grain and all, and they will sell it as a mushroom. There's no mushrooms in it. Are you familiar with the food product tempeh? Very much so, yes. Okay. Do you know how tempeh is made? I mean, I know it's fermented soybean, but I guess there's very Okay, very good. Yeah, it's actually fermented with a fungus. Mm. So that white that is growing on the soybeans is actually mycelium. Mm. So if you're eating tempeh, you're actually eating mycelium. Well, that's what these companies are making. They're making a tempeh-like product. They're drying it, grinding it to a powder, and calling it mushroom. And if you look at that tempeh, and if you've eaten tempeh at all, you know that that block of tempeh is probably... 80 to 90% soy, and the rest is the white mycelium. Tempeh is a great food. I like tempeh, but they're selling tempeh made with, let's say, shiitake mycelium or reishi mycelium and selling it as mushroom. Mm. And if you go into the stores there is every likelihood that you will not even know that that's what you're actually getting. And so how you, you know, because look on that front label of all these products, it'll have a picture of a mushroom. It'll say reishi mushroom, shiitake mushroom. If you're lucky, you turn it around into supplement facts and maybe it will say mycelium. And in the fine print where it says other it might say myceliated oats or myceliated rice, but many companies won't tell you that that's what they're selling. Instead, they will even say mushroom in the supplements facts panel. So you, you have to be so careful. If, if a product, a mushroom product actually says made in the USA, Unfortunately, that is what you will be getting. You will be getting a product that is mostly grain starch and very little fungal tissue. So you will not be deriving any of the benefits that you're expecting to get from a genuine mushroom. Instead, you will be consuming mostly grain starch. And, and it is just absolutely unethical, um, uh, it, it it shocks me that that's going on, but probably 50% of the products in a supplement store will be these, these particular products. So if you want to be sure, if it says made in USA, um, it's probably one of these products. If, it, if you look on the back and it says mycelium and in the other, it says myceliated rice or myceliated oats, it's definitely one of these products. Look also for products that will say 20% beta-glucan, or uh, that would be something that would definitely take you up a notch if a company is actually uh, saying um, the amount of beta-glucan that's in that product. We, When we sell products, every single one of our products will have the beta-glucan number on the label, uh, whether we're selling it in bulk to other companies 
or whether we are selling it in our retail line, we will always put on there X amount of beta-glucans. That is absolutely something. Now, I won't, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that you can absolutely rely on that because I've seen companies that put that on there, and I know for a fact they don't aren't selling mushroom. But that you have a much better chance of getting a genuine mushroom product if it says beta-glucan. And again, if it says made in the USA, you can pretty much write it off as one of these myceliated grain tempeh-like products. I mean, can you imagine? You think you're buying a mushroom product, but you're actually getting ground up dried tempeh. Which is a, a big concern, especially because, <coughs> you know, soy is a main allergen. And then you also have the issue with celiac and gluten sensitivity. So I, I think about cross-contamination and food sensitivity and hormone, you know, imbalance. And there's so many issues with that. It's, it's quite unfortunate, yet not surprising to me, considering I'm also um, a cannabis practitioner. So I'm very familiar with the supplement industry and the cannabis industry. And you see so much of this, and it's, it's not discriminatory towards one specific type of supplement. It's just the supplement industry and the food industry as a whole. And, you know, I, I would, I'll definitely be putting, um, you know, your website in the show notes so people can learn more about your products. And I, I like how you show, you know, the steps of the different certified extracts and, uh, and your quality standards and everything like that. I think that's amazing. You know, we need more people who are being transparent about their products. Um, I'm the same, same way where all of my lab testing for my products are online and, you know, you need to be able to show the consumer and educate them on how to choose these products. So I, I thank you for breaking it down. I just learned a ton. I, I didn't know that at all. I mean, I, I never purchased mushroom powders on my own, but now I know I've especially seen them added to other things like, you know, it'll say, you know, mushroom powder added to it. And now I'm, I'm able to look with a more skeptical eye and I'm sure the listeners are as well. Well, absolutely. And you know, the, what's difficult is that on the, the, on food products where it has a nutrition facts label, they can put on there something like mushroom complex or some other uh, what I would call weasel words on there to not fully tell you what's in the product. And just, just like you said, you have a, somebody sent you something that is mushroom uh, protein product, man, uh, send me what that is because I, I would be very skeptical about that. Um, very skeptical. And, and it sounds to me like it could very well be one of these types of products. And, and again, I, I'm trying to educate people to this and on our website, we've got a ton of great, information about this whole issue as well as just quality control standards and and look to be clear because we can't grow mushrooms in north america and doing it for the supermarket we grow them all in china a lot of people say oh god well that's that's it uh, china i would never eat anything from china well you know what it's easy to say but if you're trying to eat organically or something man look at all of the chemicals that are dumped on our crops in the united states and and, you know, we've been certified organic since 1992. I, I took OCIA to China with me in 1997, and we had the first organic certification workshop for mushrooms in China, 1997. And, and we use um, uh, European certifiers for all our products and the amount of testing we do. I love testing. <laughs> I love testing. 
And, and so not only do we test for the active compounds, but every single batch we make has to be tested for heavy metals, pesticides, micros. So everything is really well tested. You know, a lot of people say there are no standards or no regulations in the supplement industry. That's absolutely wrong. However, that doesn't mean that the product you get is still going to be a good product. It could go through a lot of those tests and still be absolutely worthless product, much like these products I'm telling you about. They're, they're sterile, organic grain with mycelium on them, grown in a lab. They're, they, they will pass a pesticide test. They will pass a heavy metals test. They will pass a microbiological panel, and, and, and people can say, look, they're, they're all tested. They're, they're, they're even organic. Yeah, but it's still grain powder. I'm sorry. I, I'm really glad that you, you said all this because, again, we as consumers need to know this information, and you know, you're always taking a risk when you, when you do any sort of supplement. So food first, always, right? That's my, definitely my, my philosophy is we start with food, you know, go out there, buy some shiitake mushrooms, everyone. They're amazing. Um, and of course, you know, check out, um, you know, check out Jeff's website. It's got some incredible information and uh, a full report that you can download uh, with a, a lot of information on how mushrooms are produced and just more information and what we talked about today. Now, the most important question of the episode now is, Jeff, what is your favorite childhood memory with food? Um, <laughs> well, one of my favorite memories is when I grew up, uh, my father was a dentist and he allowed really no sugar in the house, mm-hmm. no pop. We were actually taking vitamins in the 50s. But what that meant was I was kind of like, well, you know, how come we're not having any dessert? <laughs> so, so actually, I, I used to I used to actually my mom would allow me to uh, uh, purchase a cake recipe. <laughs> and so I would I love to bake these cakes, <laughs> not with frosting, of course, because it's like, no, that takes sugar, right? So uh, I would have these cakes. I still love to bake cakes, actually. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> and again, we grew up no sugar. We had some honey in the house, no sugar, no pop, no dessert, <laughs> you know, maybe fruit or something like that. Um, you know, that doesn't mean like on Thanksgiving, we didn't have, you know, the pumpkin pies and all the rest. Sure. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a very different, we, we had actually whole wheat bread when all of my friends had wonder bread. No way. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was waiting yeah. for you to say that you, you got mushrooms for dessert or something like that. So <laughs> I think that's, that's a great memory. And, um, I, I think I'm sure at this point you've probably perfected the cake. Um, and I, oh, I think it is, tricky. I can make a good, yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I don't use a, a mix. I, I can do it by scratch, the chocolate cake, whatever. And I, and I, I love baking actually. I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. I love baking too. And, um, I think it's very therapeutic and just fun too. If you're into, you know, creating different recipes and things like that. Uh, oh yeah yeah and i'm really into making scones like fruit scones like blueberry scones or something like that which i can 
I can make. And then I'll, that's what'll, that'll be my breakfast. I'll have a blueberry scone. There you go. And what's your address again? <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah, my scones are very good. I really, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. coffee and scones. <laughs> that's wonderful, Jeff. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise with us. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, what would be the best method to do so? Is it just visiting the NAMEX website or just, is there an email? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, come to, Namex.com, N-A-M-M-E-X.com. And, and the other uh, website that we have is called realmushrooms.com. And that, that is the uh, retail site. And, and that also has got a ton of great educational material. And, and that's what I really encourage people because I've got slideshows on the Namex site that show all of our mushroom production facilities, how we make our extracts, all of that. So there's a lot of information there that, that's really kind of fun and interesting and, and it's very deep on both sites. So definitely come to the websites for that. Great. Awesome, Jeff. Well, thank you so much again. It was a pleasure talking with you. Like I said, I learned a lot today and I need to go digest all of this. And I'm also going to follow up with an email with you if it's okay and just send you the, the supplement company that sent me some stuff. I'd love to get your feedback. Absolutely. 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 And Aaron, look, it's been really great talking to you. I, I, I love what you're doing. You've got a wonderful energy and, and I'm so happy there's people like you out there to, to bring this new health paradigm to others. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Thank you for that. And, and I would thank you as well for the work that you're doing. Thank you. All right. Bye, Jeff. See you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you are interested in getting a 25% off discount on the products that Jeff was talking about, his company website is namex.com. I will also link it in the show notes. And for 25% off, you can use the code realmushrooms, one word, for 25% off your first order, which is awesome. And just as a little side note, I did follow up with Jeff via email and I told him that the products that I had been using were the four Sigmatic blends of the mushroom powders. And he said that those are good quality and that he would trust those based on his knowledge and expertise. So if you're using them, that might be a little reassurance for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you are interested in working one-on-one -on -one with me or applying for my group coaching program, go to nutritionrewired.com and don't forget to share the health.